Whether you operate one forklift or thousands, one location or hundreds, the new My Toyota customer portal can help you optimize your operation and material handling equipment. This one-stop, free-to-use platform is designed to help you take control of your information and make smarter decisions, all at the touch of a button. Register and access your data today at my.toyotaforklift.com. That's my.toyotaforklift.com. Today's warehouse needs to keep inventory moving smoothly and quickly. Meet these challenges with on-demand warehouse labeling from Brother Mobile Solutions. Our mobile and industrial printers will help optimize your operations to achieve the speed, reliability, and durability your warehouse needs. With easy integration for existing warehouse technology, convenient portability, and upfront affordability, Brother Mobile Solutions is at your side when it comes to warehouse labeling. Try one for free today by visiting brothermobilesolutions.com slash newwarehouse or click the link in the show notes. That's brothermobilesolutions.com slash new warehouse to try one for free today. The New Warehouse Podcast hosted by Kevin Lawton is your source for insights and ideas from the distribution, transportation, and logistics industry. A new episode every Monday morning brings you the latest from industry experts and thought leaders. And now, here's Kevin. Hey, it's Kevin Lawton with the New Warehouse Podcast, bringing you a new episode today. On today's episode, I am going to be joined by Sneha Kumari. She is the head of industry trends at Circular Supply Chain Network, and she's going to talk to us about the circular supply chain and how it applies to the warehousing industry and also to the supply chain as a whole and kind of familiarize us with the the term and what's really involved in that. Actually, I think we might be a little surprised because she actually told me I'm, I'm a little bit involved in the circular supply chain already. And I didn't know before we started recording here. So we'll talk a little bit about that. But she's bringing a lot of experience from the industry, both from the supply chain side, manufacturing side, and definitely happy to get her on the show here. We've been connected for for quite a while on LinkedIn through different connections, and it's good to finally connect with her and get her on here. So Sneha, welcome to the show. How are you? I am doing great. Thank you for having me. And as I said, like long time, we should have done this. Yeah. <laughs> so super happy. I get a chance to talk to you and been following you and your shows and have had my share of work in the warehouse industry. So definitely excited to talk about this topic today. Definitely, definitely happy to have you on and, and thank you for, for following, of course. And, and it's good to be connected from you and are uh, connected to you and, and see what you're, you're putting out there for content as well. So, so let's talk first, I guess, about this circular supply chain network. So, so tell us a little bit about the circular supply chain network, what that is and, and what you're, you're focused on in, in your role as head of industry trends. Yes, absolutely. So a little bit of history. Um, uh, I met my founder, I think, through another mutual connection, I think four, three, four years back, the founder of Supply Chain, Circular Supply Chain Network. And we used to nerd out a lot on circularity for during, especially during pandemic when everyone was isolated and all of that. 
and she had had this you know on for some time uh, but haven't had had didn't have the time to like you know dedicate and build a community and then just through talking and you know our love for supply chains and circularity mm. because people had been talking about sustainability a lot and it's surprising and sad also that if you go online today and if you look for materials for circular supply chains you wouldn't find as much topics or articles or white papers to read from mm. uh, even today yes it has gained a lot of momentum the past right. years people have been talking about the leading consulting companies have been talking about a lot about it a lot so the awareness is coming so happy to see that but we have a longer way to go for sure right. so i met her we said okay i said i'm going to come work with you mm-hmm. on this and let's build it let's talk more about it and we started it we used to do a lot of events we used to bring the industry leaders and especially the smaller startup the tech startups founders who would actually come and share what they're doing and to save the planet like smaller efforts whether it comes to using plastics that and that end up in the oceans and how to bring right. that waste back in the economy how or just you know making materials making products out of used secondary non-virgin material. So it gained momentum. We gained our followers. We have been posting, blogging. Our founder has moved and worked in different companies in specifically that capacity. But then in the circular supply chain network, we build, we are aiming and building this community where we bring people from these people with the industry experience and set their examples, give them the spotlight so everyone else in the industry could learn that this is not rocket science Mm. and you could actually take small little actions in your roles every day to move from a linear economy and linear supply chain to a circular supply chain. Now, so that was the history. That's where we came from. I have been working and I used to blog for them for some time and uh, my roles have changed i've been working on different kind of models that i could share with industries most everything that we are working on is public you could actually go to our website and look for some amazing videos the book that my founder you could actually purchase a book from amazon and the blogs one of our members we are actually together a group of volunteers from the different industries so one of the members actually designed the new ASCM score model that has circularity in it. So go check that out. Oh, really? Okay, interesting. In making that happen. So yeah, I mean, pretty much building this community, putting out content there that makes sense and easier to understand. Mm -hmm. And actually it's actionable. So something, if you go look at our website and look at our video, you could actually see what circular supply chain is. It's it's so easy how a product moves and takes a new life and just making it super easy to understand. We are partnering with companies. We released a comic book also. <laughs> oh, cool. yeah. We also make it fun. Like it doesn't have to be boring. So that's what a long answer to what we are doing. Okay. Interesting. So, I mean, it sounds like you're, you're doing a lot, obviously, but I, I think the underlying thing and the important thing is that you're creating awareness around the, the circular supply chain. And and I love that you're doing it in, like you said, a, a fun and also actionable way, because I, I think a lot of times some of these not necessarily newer concepts, but newer to the attention of the the general public's kind of concepts seem like somewhat like out of reach. But if you're able to to make that content and, and make it actionable and and like you said, show uh, small steps and small actions that you can take to to help get to this you know circular economy or circular supply chain certainly makes it easier to do. So 
So you, you mentioned in there that there hasn't been a lot of content around the, the circular supply chain, but I, I think you're kind of saying too that there, there's been more content on the maybe the sustainability side. So tell us a little bit about, because I think people may kind of lump those two together a little bit. So tell us a little bit about the the difference there between, you know, being a sustainable versus being a, a circular supply chain. Yeah, I mean, I often am not very happy when people lump these together. Mm-hmm. And this is totally my take on this, yeah. on how I see this as different. Again, like sustainability isn't a new topic. Mm-hmm. It's a topic that we that has been discussed for years, for decades and decades. Right. Yet there hasn't been, as I said, like we still have, we were discussing before this, that we still have companies, bigger companies, figuring out how to measure your carbon footprint, how mm-hmm. to really measure the impact of whatever goals we are taking today. Yeah. But good that their momentum is going up now also because of the governance and the laws that's being passed. Europe is way ahead of us for sure. Oh, yeah. And taking the right actions there. But that's, you know, one of my personal pet peeve is these two are not the same thing. Sustainability is huge. There are like 17 sustainable SDGs, sustainable, sustainable development goals, right? And that umbrella has so many things, which is not just about recycling. It's not just about your product. It's yeah. It talks about poverty. It talks about how the whole social landscape is. There's a lot of other things that we need to take care of before we claim that we have a sustainable supply chain. So for example, you cannot build an electric car and say, I am building, I am, you know, I met my sustainable goals. No, you haven't because if you, unless you actually, you actually prove that you have taken care of all the labor rights in the tier tiers of supply chain that you have, right? The materials that the materials of the materials of the end product yep. that came from and was it like rightfully produced? Like there, so we have to be we have to make sure that we are using this term responsibly. That's my take. Use use this word responsibly and have the metrics, have transparent, sustainable reports. I mean, it's very easy. Like, let's go out and look at the sustainable reports and not many are doing a great job. Yeah. And I have to give it to Cummins, who does a fabulous job in releasing clean and transparent sustainability reports and the actions they have been taking in managing their waste. Um, now, circularity somewhere can be clubbed under the sustainability umbrella okay. because it's more about it's it's more, I would say, the applica- it's easier to understand you. It, it takes it makes sure that as a business. While you're running a business, how you are making sure that you take smaller actions, as I said, Mm. to move from a linear supply chain to a circular supply chain. So circularity in itself can be an umbrella that contributes towards sustainability. Mm. But we have to just, you know, be careful on how we use these terms together. But I'll get into, you know, what circular supply chain is so I can explain exactly what it is. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, I mean, I think it's it's good to have that, I guess, separation of, of the terms, and and it's good to understand too that the circular supply chain kind of can fall underneath that that larger sustainability umbrella, but understand that it's parted out from that. It's not it's not the same thing, right? When we say like oh, we're looking at you know circular supply chain, it's not the same as saying like you know we're trying to figure out how do we make our supply chain more sustainable, right? Maybe the circularity part is is part of that sustainability initiative, yeah. but that's not the whole thing, right? So, you know, tell us what is the circular supply chain? Yeah. And I'm, I'm, it's like a pledge or something, but I read this 
or most of my podcast because <laughs> sure. that's our motto. That's what we have developed as a community. Yeah. But they are interconnected systems that use secondary and renewable inputs to generate mm-hmm. value, um, reducing and maximizing resource use. Okay, that was a lot packed in that statement. Yeah. Um, we use hundred <laughs> hundreds of billions of tons of materials every year and only really use 8.5% of it again, meaning most of the inputs wow. that goes in our supply chain is of virgin materials. And I was, as I was telling you that if we consider our earth as a warehouse and we keep, you know, taking from that warehouse, like if you think of it like that, you will know that we're taking, we are making, and we are wasting from it. This warehouse is going to be empty soon. And we are not refilling this warehouse. Right. So circular supply chain, I mean, and the, and the, at the rate, as I said, it's just 8.5% of it, of secondary materials going in our supply chains. Yeah. At this rate, we might really, really need two planets to support everything we use. Right. Well, so what's like circular, warehouse. Yeah. Yes. What circular <laughs> supply chain is like, if you are in supply chain, I'm sure you've heard of lean, right? right. And what lean is about is minimizing waste, mm. right? constantly, continuously improve, understand your process and minimize waste. I'm keeping it simple. Circularity takes it a next step, takes it a notch ahead and it talks about monetizing waste. Mm. Meaning where waste, when waste becomes value, we maximize the use of that. We suddenly gave that material a second life Mm. and we can use partnerships, collaboration, technology to make this happen. Right. And, and simple things can be lumped into this. For example, Coca-Cola rewashing the bottles, but like, why not? They're yeah. reusing the bottles. Like it used to happen, it went away and then they're doing it again. Mm-hmm. Today, what the case is, supply chains are, are, are linear. They are designed and optimized to flow in one way towards the consumer. Mm-hmm. We take the materials from our planet, we process it, we make whatever we make, we consume and it flows in a line. Tomorrow, our supply chains should be circular so it will move in a circle and we have designed a transitional model as part of our network that goes through the different phases that a cycle that a material could go to and then you know how you can transition from a linear to a circular supply chain so go check that out whenever you know you have some time definitely but materials can offer more value than what than what we are using today and in a circular supply chain every operation becomes a source of raw materials for another operation every material yeah. here has value so, yeah, Nachal, that's that's what circular supply chains are. Interesting. So, and, and I mean, it's really interesting, and I think staggering and impactful when you you hear the numbers, right? Of that that eight point five percent, you know, is the only thing that's getting like reused. And I, I think that's that really kind of gives you a you know perspective on on how much of a, a potential, or I mean, a currently problem is, and then a, a larger potential for, like you said, to having to to need a, a second planet essentially, right. To, to keep going at this rate. I mean, and, and when I think about it, as it's, I was kind of thinking before our conversation today, like, you know, looking at places where, you know, there, there could be better circularity within like a, a warehousing space. You know, there's a lot of opportunities there that I, I've seen in my career where, you know, it, we do like create this waste and things just get, thrown out they just get thrown into the dumpster but you know you, you never kind of i think the sometimes the operations are are moving so quickly because of the the environment that we've created to to fulfill so so fast that 
Um, we don't necessarily take that step back to think about, you know, this, this waste that I'm creating, you know, what could I do with it further? Yep. Or could someone else do something with it further? Instead, we're just kind of tossing it basically and it's just ending up in the, the landfill somewhere. So, so I, I'm curious from your perspective, you know, where does the, like the warehouse fulfillment center, distribution center kind of fit into that, that circular supply chain overall? Mm-hmm. I mean, how do you, how do you view the, the warehouse in the, in this arena? Yeah, absolutely. So I'll just start with an example, like, sure. you know, circular economy says that we need to look at this whole system our whole ecosystem as together like as one and how do we use less overall like for example today in our current state we are shipping thousands of miles stuff to get it made right we go we grow pears in argentina we ship it to asia for packaging and then you know back here yeah (laughs) and so the idea is is actually to use less of global transportation but also you know the energies involved use less water less packaging less consumables everything and once you start thinking of all of these things in silos, because you remember, like in a company, all of us are entitled to different roles. And if we do our bit in our role, mm-hmm. like suddenly you will see the system moving, you'll see the shift in the industry. OK, so now coming back to, you know, warehouse packaging and, you know, as I as I was discussing, like once I go over these things, you would realize that how you in your micro fulfillment center might already be doing some great optimizations that yeah. That is potentially reducing the pool on the planet. Now let's talk about, you know, the warehouse packaging, right? Sure. That packaging, again, is a great deal of waste in the landfill. So then I think the Environmental Protection Agency, EPA, they have estimated to as much as 82 million tons on solid waste, of which 37% was actually sent to landfills, Mm. right? And so that's a lot of packaging just ending in the landfills. And then at the same time, you know, reverse logistics, I'll come to reverse logistics also at some point. But in general, I was was reading, there is this website that gives us a good, you know, breakdown of our greenhouse gas emissions. Mm -hmm. And in that energy, like electricity, heat and transport, as the top contributor, 73% of greenhouse gases. All of that 73%, 16% is contributed by transport. Wow. Right. And that includes a little bit of energy, electricity also. And about 11.9 of that is road transport. Mm. Right. So the emissions from burning of the fossil fuels and all kinds of, you know, the, tar- the cars and trucks and the motorcycles and the lorries and the buses and everything. Yeah. They all like all the road freight and uh, is like that's a big number to be thinking about. And how do we I mean, and, you know, it's not the same everywhere. And if we just look, I'm, I wish I could share that here. But if we just look at United States, for example, transport is a much larger contributor yeah. than the global average. Interesting. From what we are seeing. So let's just start about the transportation. Like look at alternative fuels, right? Clean energy. How do we make sure that we use less fossil fuels and use alternative fuels? And so then now suddenly we are using, requiring fewer virgin materials for our transportation, right? Optimize your routes and loads. We are today doing it, right? But we still have like in the light of sometimes either either we missed some shipment or some shipments are left behind. We are probably not utilizing our truckloads to the level that we should be, right? Mm -hmm. And there are some very great enhancements in technologies. 
where we are able to manage and understand what our truck fail rate was fully. But being able to understand where those gaps are, your load inefficiencies and is important and then take action to it and see how you can optimize your routes and then make sure that you're making lesser trips between your location to your customer's location, especially, you know, when we are doing single one day deliveries and, you know, shorter hour deliveries. Yeah. it also, you know, affects positively affects your cost. So now you're actually hitting two goals at the same time when you're taking the effort, time and effort. And I know the bigger companies out there are, right. you know, using technology and all of that, what not to optimize their network. I think there are a lot of, op- there's a lot of opportunity for the other third party providers also mm-hmm. to tap into that and make sure that they are avoiding expedites as much as possible right now coming to you know warehousing and i'll give you a very simple example which is reusable pallets maybe you're already using it Mm. maybe you're already taking care of that like in your you're from you come from this industry and that has been a, a goal for a long time which is great. Like we should be talking about reusing the packaging or the pallets that we have today and minimizing the waste there. How do we cut down on that? We'll be back after a quick break. You hear a lot about supply chains these days because if the past couple years have taught us anything, it's that an efficient, well-managed supply chain is absolutely critical to keeping businesses successful and consumers happy. I'm Will Haywood, and I host a podcast called All Business, No Boundaries, where we talk about supply chains, how they work, what happens when they don't, and the innovations that are redefining what's possible in the world of logistics. Join me for insightful interviews with thought leaders and industry experts. We discuss how optimizing supply chains can break down the barriers that are holding businesses back. That's All Business, No Boundaries by DHL Supply Chain. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Step, step, step. Do you know how many steps your warehouse workers are taking a day? When your workers are walking, you're losing money. Endless trips to the printer or computer add up fast. Newcastle's mobile industrial carts with integrated power eliminate the walking to stationary printers and computers, keeping workers focused on high value tasks. Often, doubling their output. Thousands of powered cart installations, including ones at the new warehouse's own micro-fulfillment center and in my previous jobs, prove that Newcastle customers get more done and save money. To learn more, head to newcastlesys.com. That's newcastlesys.com. Yeah, I think that's from the pallet perspective, I will say like, I think that's one of the easiest things in the warehouse because there's such a there's such like a after market for the pallet i mean i know like right now like uh, like you mentioned my micro fulfillment center i mean we we take in pallets and you know we we're you know like we were talking about earlier i mean the space is small so we're trying to maximize and we want to get those empty pallets as fast as possible but you know somebody comes in and picks them up and they'll they'll use them for something else and they'll and we get we get money for them and they'll, they'll repair repair them and then put them back like into, into circulation. So, I, I mean, that's like one of the lowest hanging fruits, I would say from my perspective in the, the warehouse, definitely. But yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. But what you're there are like, I more. think you might know more, like there are a lot of regulations that require us to do that. Right. Especially if you're like, mm-hmm. for example, shipping to certain locations, you needed heated pallets and all right. of that. You treat it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. 
So heat treated pallets. So I think that's more expensive, by the way. I think so. But in in general, like reusing our pallets and, you know, having that collaborative ecosystem built out will be important. And you're suddenly, you know, now reducing your waste there. I think reverse logistics is a huge, huge country, huge, plays a huge part in this. And somewhere I feel logistics providers, right, can play a bigger role in this, like Mm on-demand packaging, right, that can help and prevent cut down waste. Like it's not just about, okay, picking something and, you, you, you cannot just be a service provider, yeah. right? Who, if, if our logistics providers could do take a step further and do more than that, making sure that, you know, again, as I said, like on-demand packaging, how are we reusing, recycling, all of that, mm. right? And then maybe, I don't know, in some ways, can we think about remanufacturing? and reusing right. and have, you know, you already, they already have the necessary networks, right? Where they are shipping from and actually taking goods back from, right? Mm. See, you know, if if they, if there is any way for them to reduce the whole return cycle, because that's a big right. pull on the planet as well. But when stuff comes back, right? And I, I I'm telling you from my own experience in smaller industries, manufacturing industries, it's very easy for a return product from our customers to end up in scrap. Yes. Right. Yeah. And scrap many of the times is a very <clears throat> conflicted metric. It can be owned by quality. It can be owned by the production team. It can also be owned by the warehouse. So there is no standard that I've seen across, you know, smaller business units from a process standpoint. Now, scrap, the moment it ends up in waste, you know that you did not do a good job there in minimizing your waste. There There are tons of good things that can happen there. Now, the first piece is, of course, when you bring a scrap, make sure your quality team analyzes it. And there is a production site where you can tear down your product right? Yes, that inqui- that requires labor, but then right. that's where your data can make you powerful. Go analyze the data of your returns. How much did it cost you? And then do a cycle time of your teardown process. You don't have to tear down everything to start with, yeah. right? To start with, employ a process that will make you profitable, where your cycle time to tear down is lesser than the items that you recover. Mm-hmm. And the items, the components that you recover if they could be reused, the ones that don't have a shelf life issue, they could go back on your shelf. And now you just, you know, reuse those items. You saved purchase of some of the inventory. So you refurbished. We are doing it. Mm-hmm. Again, this is not a new concept. We are yeah. refurbishing is something that we are doing it, but it doesn't have to just happen with larger goods like TVs and all of that. Right. Our smaller goods, smaller products, industrial products that we sell to our customers can also always make this process happen. Like this should be a set process for any product-based company. Actually, yeah. any any company, like analyze your returns and yeah. do something about it. Maybe you don't get benefits of that, Maybe someone else's supply chain can use it. And that's why I talk a lot about having secondary materials marketplaces. Right. Meaning today you have a lot of marketplaces where as a procurement manager, I can go in and buy materials. Mm. Right. And as a procurement manager, my goal is always to reduce cost. If we add one other goal wherein we push our procurement managers to see how well we made sure we used, we utilize secondary materials in our supply chain. Boom. There goes our shift. Right now, as I, as my annual goal, cost reduction is cost and risk reduction is not my only goal. I also need to look for secondary materials. Now I go to the secondary material marketplace and maybe some of the waste from some other industry can be added as value for 
for my for my industry mm. now again i'm speaking about all of these things it's not it's not going to happen in silo my customers right. need to be part of it like for example i talk about the automotive industry there's a lot of specifications yeah. that go into it right and it's so hard like i'm not sure if you heard of the ppap process maybe you have it's a very popular quality process that yeah. any automotive vendor has to go through to make a small change in your in yeah. their product of course given the risk and everything applied to so it's hard it's hard for regulated industries but our customers our vendors like all these tiers of value chain need to come together to make this happen like if we could open up our specifications to use less custom products and more off the shelf products right there goes value hmm. right interesting uh, so, so it all like has to orchestrate yeah. and work together yeah, I mean, I, I think it's really interesting. There's like a lot of information there, but I, I think it's really interesting, especially the the return side, because I've managed the returns department in my career. And, you know, I will, I, you know, I will admit, maybe I feel a little guilty now after talking to you, but I'll admit that we definitely, you know, scrap some things that we probably... You know, if we had dedicated some resources to them, we probably could have salvaged some some parts there because we were, I mean, we were also manufacturing those products too within our facilities. But I, I think it's interesting because there needs to be like a, a shift kind of happen within the company because I will say, you know, one of, one of my frustrations in, in managing that returns department was that, you know, whenever the the manufacturing or, or warehouse needed extra resources, they would, you know, returns was the first that they would pull the resources from. So, so it was more about just getting those returns processed quickly so we could free up the resources from that department, which resulted in probably scrapping a lot of material that could have probably be reused in some capacity somewhere. So it, it's interesting. And I, I think that, you know, the idea of that secondary market sourcing market is a, is a really great one because even if you're, you're pulling out uh, certain parts of your product that are, are still good, but maybe not necessarily reusable by you, you're probably going to have, you know, that as a, a reoccurrence and you'll be able to now become a, a supplier for, for somebody else potentially. Yeah. Right. I think that's the idea behind that. So it's really, really interesting. And I, I think overall, you know, the, in the warehouse kind of realm and, and perspective, I mean, there's a lot of opportunity there to have these circular things. Like you said, the, I mean, the pallets is a, is a huge one, but even from the packaging and, and box perspective, and I know a lot of people are trying to tackle these issues now, even, you know, you mentioned the the space and maximizing the space in a trailer, but even if the trailer looks full, probably a lot of the time, a lot of those boxes are not full not either, stacked. right? You're shipping a yeah. lot of, a lot of yeah. air. So yeah. as you start to look at that and make the investments in, you know, right size packaging or systems like, like Packurate is a, is one that's really interesting where they're kind of gauging and telling you like the exact right size package to use instead of, you know, using these generic sizes and, you know, having half the box just full of like, paper or bubbles or something like that, you're able to reduce that. And over time, you're probably shipping, you know, less trucks than you normally would because, you know, half the time, probably 25% or more of that truck is, is air actually, but it's just encapsulated in, in cardboard. So, so a lot of great opportunities there and really interesting to, to hear about the circular supply chain from your perspective and, and kind of gets a, a better definition on it. And I, I think there's a lot of 
opportunity here for us as, as warehouse operators to be able to to take some small steps to, to being able to do that. So I guess my, my last question for you would be, you know, what do you think if you were in a, a warehouse operation, you know, what what would be kind of the easiest and, and first thing that you would look at to, to become like more circular? Yeah, I'm pretty much going back to, you know, what I have shared, small things. Sure. Let's start with the pick pack process, mm-hmm. right? The picking and packing process, how are we optimizing those paths? And also, like, as you said, when we are packing, we have a lot of fancy stuff that goes into mm. our boxes to protect it. Like, yeah. let's also involve the doers in this process, like our picking packing operators who are actually seeing this firsthand can have good ideas on how to minimize packaging. Mm. Right. Packaging is the first thing our customer says, and it says a lot about our brand. So we are focused a lot in, you know, making that side of it speak a lot about our brand. But also we should not underestimate the power of, you know, going circular or green on that side. So Mm. I think picking and packing is a very important path, plus also space optimization, as you have done in your micro fulfillment center, where you are making sure that every inch, as I said, if you think of your warehouse where you have to optimize your space and it's small, right? You you make sure you employ technology or you employ human intelligence, whatever that is, mm-hmm. to make sure that you optimize for every single space that you have. And I would say the inventory turnover, right, has to go up, meaning the make sure you stack inventory of the right moving pieces that also helps your business, like your A items, B items, and how close that should be on how often you are replenishing your trailer with and so you're reducing now your motion again all the lean concepts the eight nine wastes that we talk about and lean all of these small efforts can immediately start showing you value from a business standpoint but also you know reduce your impact your carbon footprint overall Mm -hmm. carbon equivalence of footprint that you have then comes you know the reverse the returns analyze your returns no matter how small or bigger your business is, you should always invest some time. Make sure that you have data to prove that you don't want to invest in reverse logistics right. and intelligence there. Unless you have it, you have not done, unless until you haven't done that Kaizen, mm-hmm. don't discard this option of, you know, analyzing your scrap or improving, employing better ways to manage your carbon footprint in your logistics infrastructure, whoever is supporting your logistics, either you're doing it yourself or you have outsourced it. And lastly, I I have to say that measure it. It's not easy. There aren't a lot of, I would say, materials out there that helps you. But I've seen lately, like I was in a logistics conference, like literally last week, Mm -hmm. actually this week, sorry, I'm losing my mind. Uh, This week (laughs) at Long Beach. And there was a quick thing, like someone said, the tech portfolio of companies that were there supporting this has improved dramatically, right? Because there is a need to make these complex, make this whole complex operations simple and give you more visibility and transparency. Like we are, we, we just spoke about, you know, truck loads. We haven't, we didn't even get into the whole container load and the near shoring. Nearshoring is a big, big initiative in reducing your carbon footprint. And a very recent change was, you know, Europe is now going to tax, like make companies earlier shipping was exempt of carbon footprint. But Europe is now making that law where you could, or maybe they already did, where the shipping companies will have to pay for their carbon footprint, like pay 
taxes for their carbon footprint really because it's a big, yeah. big contributor. So there are tools out there and there are logistic companies now coming up providing you that service. Like what's the carbon footprint of your service? So, so there is opportunity to learn on how to measure it. And once you're able to do that, once you, once you take this whole circularity goal as a process, like, you know, how you do your standups, how you have your KPIs, you have your three root causes, your five whys and corrective actions, you will start seeing change. We don't do that. That's the problem. Yeah. We, don't, we don't treat this as a business measure and treat it like our other parts of the business. Yeah. Yeah. Really interesting. And I, I think, you know, like you said, we need to, to treat it with more more importance and, and stand it up and put it, you know, with those, you know, we're looking, you know, if we're looking from the warehouse perspective, you know, we're looking at our, you know, on-time delivery and order accuracy, things like that. Like we need to put these things to the, the forefront as well and, and make it part of our, our regular metric reviews and, and understand that. And I think, I think what's interesting too, you know, as you mentioned, more people are coming out with, with solutions for this and how to measure and, and how to look at it in a better way and, and have better services around this. You know, it's also interesting that I think for a long time, people, the mindset that, you know, becoming more sustainable or, or coming into a, a circular type of situation like this means like a, a large investment right on their part or it's going to cost more whereas you know some of the things we're talking about here like you're actually going to be potentially finding another revenue stream or potentially reducing your cost because when we talk about the truckload example you're going to be shipping less trucks essentially if you're filling them up more so it's a lot of opportunity there and it's really interesting happy you came on to talk about this i think it's incredibly insightful you have a, a lot of knowledge and i'm happy that we could share that with the audience so so very very interesting stuff so thank you for coming on the show today sneha and if people are interested in learning more about the circular supply chain network how can they do that Oh, feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn. Follow Circular Supply Chain Network on LinkedIn. You will be seeing some very good materials actually coming up that I'm also working on okay. pretty soon on carbon coming soon. So you mm. uh, will release that in a few months. We, we recently released a Unido paper, worked with the United Nations, one of the business unit for them. Yeah. So check those out, check our videos, read our book from our founder. Trust me, it's short, it's sweet. You're going to love it. And you could take some actions as we discussed on this podcast, that you could go back in your daily work and, you know, do something about it and be proud of it. Okay, great. I'll definitely put all that information at thenewwarehouse.com as well so people can easily find it. So, Sneha, thank you once again for joining me on the show today. You've been listening to The New Warehouse Podcast with Kevin Lawton. Subscribe and check us out online at thenewwarehouse.com. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you want more content from The New Warehouse, check out our new video series called All Hands on LinkedIn. Just search for The New Warehouse on LinkedIn and follow along.